So we're going to start this year, or start this new season, and I'm going to do something I normally don't do, but I, I just feel led to do it this morning. As we start this season, I feel, I mean, every year is so powerful. I feel a power over this year unlike any other year. I really do. I don't know if you guys can feel it. I mean, I can feel it. And so as we start this season, I just want to kneel before my God. And I just want to get in prayer before him and commit this year to him. So I'm going to kneel before him. You guys just stay in your seats. That's fine. Or you can do whatever you want. But I just want to kneel before him. Father God. Thank you for the honor and privilege of teaching the word of God. There's no greater honor. There's no greater honor. There's no greater power. There is no other truth, God. It's a privilege to serve you, God. Lord, I thank you for every soul here, God. I know the importance of this, God. I know the responsibility. Spirit of God, I just pray over this year, God. I know you're going to do above and beyond all we ask, think, or imagine. I know you will. You're going to do above and beyond all we ask, think, or imagine. Lord, I pray now, consume this talk. I just pray, Jesus, Jesus, come into this room. Lord God, we know the angels of God are here. Lord God, we know the power of the Spirit of God is here. And Lord, it's here for your people. We are your sheep, and you are our shepherd, and you are here today among us, God. And we're not going to leave the way we came in. We're going to leave better, stronger, more joyful, more peaceful, more filled with you, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray now for the privilege of being the conduit from heaven's throne to your people on earth, Lord Jesus, just passing on the message of the gospel. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So there's lots of stories you're going to hear through the years, through the year. Um, and bits and pieces of all the mighty, extraordinary things that God has done. And there's a reason we're here today, and there's a reason I'm standing here today, and that is because I went to church all the time, and I found myself in an extraordinary crisis in my life. And when I was in that crisis, the religion I had, although I was devout, went to church every Sunday, read my Bible prayed an hour a day, just was very devout. But let me tell you something, it lacked power. And when the rubber hit the road, I did not have the power. And I literally at one point said, God, this is fairy tales, because in today's world, where's the power? You know, show me the money. And it there wasn't there. And so through an extraordinary journey, the Lord revealed the power of the gospel to me in the most incredible way. And I said from that point on, I said, Father, with the rest of my days, I will share the power of the gospel. I do not want anyone to come here for knowledge. The knowledge of the gospel puffs up. It actually is destructive. And we have so much knowledge. Listen, you don't need knowledge. Just, just tune into the internet, right? Just tune into. So this is not about gaining knowledge. This is about gaining the power of the gospel. And that is what this whole entire study is for. There's a million churches. We don't need more knowledge. But I know that God has called me to teach the power. And, and, and we, we have gotten into Christianity light. And I like to say, you know, the, the skinny, skinny jeans and smoke machines, which it doesn't really matter if what you wear or what machine you use. It doesn't matter. I use that as a, like a tongue-in-cheek of Christianity light. And listen, you don't have power. You don't have power in it. There's a, there's a truth to it, but not a power to it. And so the Lord has called me to do this, and it was the thing I said I never want to do. I'd do anything else. 
and I had an extraordinary encounter, and we'll probably get into that through the year, but here I stand. And as many of you know, this podcast goes out, and way more people even listen to this, and I get messages all the time from people who are being set free. And so I just thank the Lord for this privilege, and I take it so seriously. But I want to start back at the basics, because it is the basics of the gospel that changed the world. The basics, listen, we didn't need all that stuff to change the world. It was 12 disciples. They were primarily, mostly uneducated. They didn't need all of that stuff. They needed the gospel. They needed the power. They needed the basics. And that changed the world. It stood up against great persecution. I mean, immediately they went into persecution. It stood up, and thousands of years later, the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. And here we are, and we're millions of Christians now. And what's happening with the gates of hell? We're supposed to be tearing them down. And so this is why we're here today. This is the point of this, this, is the point of this place. And so I'm starting today with Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen, are you concerned about the government? Here you go. Wonderful Counselor. Do you need counseling? Do you need to know what to do? Mighty God. Do you need power in your situation? Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Do you need a father to love you and guide you? Prince of Peace. Do you need peace? It's all in his name. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It won't end. His peace and his government has not ended. Don't believe it for a minute. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, established and upheld with justice and righteousness for, for all of time and forever. And I love this part. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Zeal. We need a, not a little zeal. And it comes from God. Names matter. And these are some of the names of Jesus. Names matter was Jesus was born into a culture where names were really important. And, you know, when he met Simon, he changed his name to Peter, which means stone. And although Peter was a little stone when he met him, he knew he was going to turn him into the rock on which the church was built. Uh, you know, when he met the very arrogant Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee, the hypocritical religious person, he humbled him and named him Paul, and through that humility, the most, see, power comes through humility, so through that humility, he was, became the most powerful apostle. It was in the name. He changed their names. You know, he changed the name to Abraham, Sarah, the power of a name, and then there is no greater name than the name of Jesus, because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess Every single one. All through the book of John, Jesus says, I am. When he says, I am, what does he mean? He means, I am present right now for you, September 15th, 2022. I am. I am here. I am power. I am present. Jesus is the priest who covers you. Jesus is the lamb who was sacrificed for you. And he reminds us through being the lamb that when we sacrifice for him, eventually he turns us into the lion because Jesus is the lion who's coming back for us and he comes in with a roar and he wants you to know that you have a lion in your lungs through Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd who guides you. Jesus is Emmanuel. His name is Savior. His name is Redeemer. Jesus. He is our rescuer. He is everything we will ever need. He is the greatest name. The greatest name. We will wear his name. We will bear his name. We will share his name. We will proclaim his name. Jesus Christ. And Christ is not a, a last name. I've had people say, is that a last name? No, it's not a last name. But it's part of his name, and it means anointing. He was anointed by God 
So the Savior, the Messiah, Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is another one of his name, anointed for you, me, right now. He's anointed by the Lord, and he must be Lord. The power of the gospel goes out when he's not Lord. He is Lord. He is the Alpha and Omega. That means he starts it and he finishes it. In every single life ever, ever born from the beginning of time, if you will welcome him in, whatever he starts, he will finish. He will finish it, and he will bring it to a good conclusion for his glory and for your blessing and your good. He'll finish it, and he'll start it. We all know starters but that don't finish. Or we know people who will never start at all. He does it all. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I present the miracle worker Jesus to you today. And I want us to get a fresh, listen, the, the, there's a saying, and it, and it says with familiarity it breeds contempt. We have gotten so familiar. I want to put the power back into this. I want us, this is step one. This is a three-part sermon. Today I'm putting the power back in the name of Jesus. I'm going to show you the power. You're lacking power. I'm going to show you through the gospel of Christ the power. His name was picked for him by his father. God picked his name. In Matthew 121, it's very clear. His name was picked by his father. His daddy chose his name. His name was important to God. I mean, God's going to name one son, and he picked Jesus. There's importance and power in that name. It was 400 years before the Old Testament ended, and it went silent. How old is America? I'm not good with my 200-something years. 400 years, nothing. And then God sends Jesus with the most important message, the most important message ever to come to humanity after 400 years of silence. Think how long 400 years is. Do you think they felt forgotten, unloved, unknown? He sent Jesus to say, I have a message for you. And I'm sending you the greatest message. You and in his name, I tell you, you are not forgotten. In his name, I tell you, you are loved. In his name, I tell you, you will get to know me through him. In his name, I am giving you the greatest gift. And his name is Jesus. We have Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that word, everyone. 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 It does not matter who you are. Because through the blood of Jesus... As we know from the cross on the thief next to Jesus, one person, you can have just committed murder. You could have just done the most heinous crime in the whole world. And you call on the name of Jesus and you are righteous. Perfectly righteous. So many people say, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm, not. I'm like, yeah, none of us are. Please, who is? That's the whole point of Jesus coming. If it was ever about our goodness, we didn't need him. But if the worst, the most heinous crime, in a second, you devote your life to Christ, in that second, you are perfect. You are righteous. God looks at you, and all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus. Perfect. You don't earn it. You can't. It's the goodness of God. It is the name that opposes every evil thing. It opposes oppression, depression, injustice, evil, death. Jesus, the name of Jesus has victory over everything. Jesus emptied himself so completely of, and put himself into a body contaminated and corrupted, awful. He was perfection in heaven and moves into this contaminated body that was rejected. I mean, he had a death sentence on his head the minute he came into the world. He's born in a manger among, you know, cow dung. He... For, he he took himself and put himself in contamination and filth for us so that we would live in power. He did that because God loves us. See, God does not love us because Jesus died. Jesus died because God loves us. God loves us. 
God loves us. The message of this is power and love. God loves us. And so Jesus did this. Jesus offered himself the most heinous death, and we all know the death. And you know, every year when they talk about the details of the death, or I listen to a sermon of the details of Jesus' death, I literally have to fast forward it. I cannot take what he went through. I cannot take it. I cannot take what he did for us. So, when we have the privilege and honor to call on the name of Jesus, we need to understand this is a privilege. This is a power. This is an honor. And we need to call on it and understand what it was. When we call the name of Jesus, God from heaven sends the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit to our aid. We know the power of the name. We know in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, For this reason, God has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and bestowed on Jesus the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee. Every knee. Every single knee. Our knees are going to bow. If you're here, you want to know Jesus. But if you're not, if you, there's plenty of people who don't love Jesus. Their knees are going to bow. On earth, every single thing that has ever had breath will bow to their knee to Jesus and acknowledge that there, there is only one God. And there is only one Savior. And the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Only one. Every knee, that's a big thing. Every angel will bow. Every demon will bow. It says things on earth, in heaven, and under the earth, meaning the demonic realm. There is everything ever created will bow before him at some point or the other. He is highly exalted. Every president, you're upset about the president? He's going to bow his knee. He's going to bow his knee and say, Jesus, your Lord. Every monarch, every czar, every prideful soul that opposes the word of the gospel will bow their knee. And if you see him and you're upset about him, pray Jesus over him. Pray Jesus over him. Because they're going to have to bow before him and, and, and acknowledge that he is Lord. The most powerful place on earth, and this is true, where is the most powerful place on earth? The most powerful place on earth are people who understand the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and bow in prayer to him. We like to think the most powerful place is, is you know, the Kremlin, the, the, the Pentagon, the Capitol. The, no. No. They, see, and when we think that, then we feel victim. No. Those who call on the name of Jesus Christ are so much more powerful. As I've said through all the years, things happen in the spirit realm long before they happen here. You call on the name of Jesus, there is far greater power. The most powerful place on earth is the body of Christ praying in faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I'm telling you, there is no greater power. The church is far more powerful. Far, true believers Devoted believers, far more powerful, the most powerful place on earth. We just read that the government will be on his shoulders. There will be no end. We also know that scorpions and snakes, the Bible says that they will be, uh, the, all works of evil will be under our feet because of the name of Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you believe good? There are some wicked people. There's some wicked people running situations right now. And you know what? You have authority. You have power in the name of Jesus. I love this scripture, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, all authority, all power, absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus said. All authority, all power, heaven and earth is given to Jesus. Why? Why? Why was all that given to Jesus? Why? What's the reason behind the why? Because of the precious 
blood of Jesus. When we do a paternity test, they didn't have this technology back then, but we know. When you're trying to figure out if you're not sure who the baby belongs to, what do we do? We check the blood of the father. See if it matches the child. That blood was the father's blood. The blood of Jesus is, it came from the father. It is the most rare blood type. (laughs) There's no other blood type. The most rare blood type, there will never be another. It is the most precious blood. It is costly. The blood of Jesus cost heaven everything. Cost heaven everything. There was no greater price, no greater price than the blood of Jesus. And when that first drop of blood hit the earth, you know how powerful it was? You know the stories in the gospel. You know how powerful it was? Earthquake. Then what happened? The, 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 the veil that was between man and God tore from the top down. God says there's nothing between us anymore. Nothing between you and me and, and anymore because of that blood. Dead people rose from the grave, and it was documented in history. They walked among people who had been dead and buried. Righteous people rose from the grave. If you are righteous and you feel dead, a drop of blood of Jesus. You might have forgotten the power that is available to you. It restores life. And that is why the preciousness of this blood, God will honor the blood of Jesus every single time. God will never not honor the blood of Jesus. Never. You say, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And we know that Father God is on the heavenly thrones up there. And we know that there are angels surrounding him night and day saying, holy, holy, holy. We know this throne is so magnificent, we can't, they can't even put it into words. They don't know how to describe it. And there is a throne room. And here are little old us with all of our sins and problems. And listen, we're not entered in because we're perfect. As a matter of fact, our perfect deeds are like filthy rags. That disgusts him. How could our perfection, no, it's not our perfection, it's the blood of Jesus. And so when we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I just said it right now, I'm in the throne room. You're in the throne room. In an instant, in an instant, in Jesus' name, I come. We're not, we're not entered into the throne room, you know, because we sing a hundred songs We're not entered into the throne room because we, you know, feel goosebumps. You might feel nothing. Our feelings don't trump the blood of Jesus. God honors the name and blood of Jesus. And that's it. So all you say is, Father, I come in Jesus' name. You're there. You're there, and the power is there. We know that the blood of Jesus makes us overcomers. Through history, and my goodness, there were so many things I wanted to talk about, but I knew I didn't have time, but through history, so many Christians have overcome the most extraordinary odds. I mean, just impossible because of the power of Jesus, because he makes us an overcomer. The name of Jesus. We know Revelations. Okay, well, that was supposed to be. I missed that one. I just skipped my notes. It says, Hebrews 4.16, let us approach God's throne of grace with boldness and confidence. And that's because of the blood of Jesus. Bold and confident. Not of your own works, but because of his name, because of his blood. So Revelations 12.11 says, and they overcame and conquered him, meaning Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb. You can't, there's more to that verse, and we're going to talk about the rest of that verse as we move into the other stuff. But you overcome him because of the blood of the lamb. That's how you beat Satan. Listen, if you, if you believe in Satan or not, you're fighting him. Doesn't matter. He's opposing you. 
You don't have to believe in him. Your belief in him doesn't make him any more real or less real. But let me tell you, he's coming against you no matter what because he comes to kill, steal, destroy. And it is the blood of the lamb that defeats him in your life and my life. The blood of the lamb. He makes us overcomers. It is our blood covenant right with God that we overcome the situations of life. That we overcome the evil coming against us. It's our blood right. What does overcomer mean? Uh, here's a dictionary. Uh, surmount, to get the better of. Uh, we overcome, uh, overwhelm, to gain the superiority to win. You win. I win. We win because of the blood of the lamb. His resurrection means we rise out of everything. We rise out of everything because of the blood of the lamb. A really cool story, um, Louis Pasteur in the 1800s, there was diphtheria and it was killing hundreds of thousands of people in France. And a very wealthy man, his son was killed by the disease. And so he went to Louis Pasteur, which was a, already a, a very famous scientist. And he said, I'll give you any money you want, cure this disease. So he gave him a bunch of money and he went and bought 20 stallions. And he took the disease and he rubbed it in their noses and their mouths and came back and checked on them the next day. First day, 19 were dead, only one was alive. Second day, he came back, and that one was very sick, but it was still alive. So he said to his, his assistant, he said, this is our only hope. He said, keep that horse alive. He said, I'm going to name it the overcomer. Third day, now listen, if God's not in all the details of the life, third day, we know a story about third day and death and all that stuff. Third day, he came back. That horse was back up on his feet, healthy and strong, three days. He immediately went, took the blood out of that horse, made a serum out of that, and ran to the hospital and injected that serum from the horse's blood into 300 kids. And within hours, they were up walking around the hospital. The disease that was ravishing the nation had been cured, and the scientists flocked to him everywhere. And they said, how did you defeat this disease? How did you, you know, do this? He said, it's easy. He said, just a little blood from the overcomer. Just a little blood from the overcomer. If horse's blood does that, if horse's blood does that, we got the blood of Jesus on our side. The blood of Jesus. And let me tell you something. It doesn't just mean everything to us. And it doesn't just mean everything to God. It means everything to hell. Every demon in hell knows what the blood of Jesus means to them. We know in James 2.19, you believe there's one God? James says good. He means good for you. Basically means so what? Even the demons believe that and shudder and tremble. See, I talk to people all the time and they're like, no, I'm good. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. What does that mean? Believing in God, even the demons believe in God. Believing in his existence is not salvation. Believing in the blood of Jesus to save you from your sins and, and surrendering your life completely and totally to him. And he now is the one who, who shows you the path of life. Jesus, take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. That's what it means. Jesus, take over. You know, so that, and so the demons in hell know the blood, the power of the blood of Jesus. There is nothing they can do to reverse it. There is nothing they can do to stop the blood of Jesus. The only thing that they, their only shot is to get us not to understand the power of it. The only thing that the demons in hell, Satan can do to defeat us is for us to not understand the power in which we stand because of the blood of Jesus. That's their only, that's all they got. That's all they got. There is nothing, and I can tell you because you guys know I do this work, nothing makes a demon more afraid than a Christian who knows their authority because of Jesus 
and walks in it and does not fear them, but knows that they will fear you because of Jesus in you, the name of Jesus that's in you. Let me tell you something. That's all you need. It's all you need. And sometimes I wonder if those who oppose the name of Jesus revere and understand the power of the name of Jesus more than we do because they know it. They know what the name of Jesus means. They know the power of it. So this is crazy. In, in research, I did a little research, and I'm going to tell you this took my breath away. I'm going to show you. I thought, I wonder what, I'm going to Google the definition online, pull up a definition. What does Christ mean? The title also treated as a name given to Jesus, an oath used to express irritation, dismay, or surprise. Christ. Jesus, an oath used to express irritation, dismay, or surprise. Not God. No. This is Oxford Dictionaries. You can see Oxford Dictionaries. An oath. Do you know what? They know what they're talking about. When you use Jesus as a curse word, GD is a curse word, you are making an oath with the devil. You are allowing him to use your mouth to curse the Son of God. They know it's actually an oath. They've got that part right. If that's what you do with your mouth. I thought to myself, I wonder what they have for Allah. Let's see what they have for Allah. The name of God among Muslims and Arab Christians. Why, why is that in the dictionary? Because they understand the power of the name. They do. The enemy knows. The enemy knows. Where are we getting our definition? Let me tell you. God knows the, the power and the reverence that we are to have of his name. There was 10 commandments. And, you know, we've got murder and stealing and cheating and lying and da-da-da, all the bad things, right? But amongst them, this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is Exodus 27. That is irreverently in false affirmation or in ways that invalidate the character, character of God. For the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. God takes it seriously. God takes names seriously. God takes how we use his name seriously. And you know what else? God takes the, our name seriously. He would, he would never take your name in vain, my name in vain. Do you know how tenderly he is with our name? I love this. Isaiah 49, 16. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your names are tattooed on the palms of his hands. He loves your name. You know what he calls you? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are now called the children of God. You are a beloved child. I spend a lot of time in my ministry help people heal because they were not a beloved child. But God calls you a beloved child. The way he speaks of you is kind and tender. He takes it seriously. But let me tell you something else. The enemy takes seriously the name of Jesus. And I fear, like I said before, that he might take it more seriously than we do. And I'm going to read... Uh, so my, my husband does my PowerPoints, and he's like, Stephanie, you're really going to put this whole chapter in? Yes, I am. <laughs> you guys know I use tons of scripture. It's funny. Somewhere along the line, in some seminaries somewhere, it became famous that you can only use two or three verses at a time because people can't absorb more. And I'm like, are we the stupidest people on the planet? The Holy Spirit attaches himself to the word. The word is the sword. That was a, listen, there are demons in seminaries. There are demons in churches. Listen, you gotta, you gotta know the word. So I'm like, uh, when, when the Lord asked me to start teaching, I'm like, only if I use tons of scripture, because my opinion is nothing. Nobody, you, we don't, I don't care about my own opinion. I mean, we, this is the gospel. And so we read a lot of the gospel because that's the only truth there is. That's the only truth there is. And anything that contradicts it gets thrown out. And I know you people are smart enough than, than to have one or two verses, you know. Okay, so here we go. We're doing a whole chapter, and it's Acts 4. Okay, so Paul and, Paul and Peter, I think, uh, were just, yeah. Were, no, Peter and John, were ju they just healed somebody. We're going to get into that. 
they just healed somebody. Big healing. And the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they're speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Wait, who's greatly disturbed? The religious people. Okay, wait. Somebody was just healed. This happened to me. People asked me to come speak. We had hundreds of people there. Someone got healed. They were very upset. The woman, had been, her body had been broken for a long time and her spirit and soul. And, but this is the religious spirit. The spirit of religion will always come against the power of God. The religious people, this is why Jesus had nothing to do with the religious people. He wanted people who were real. So the religious people are upset because some man who's been, had his body broken for 40 years just got healed. And they don't know what to do. They're saying they're greatly disturbed. Isn't that a normal reaction to somebody being healed? They're disturbed. Okay. Uh, the, the, by the way, the spirit of religion is a demonic spirit when I refer to that. Uh, the demonic spirit of religion. Uh, and it is not from God. It is not from the throne room of God. And it try, does everything it can to quench the power of God. So they're disturbed and they seize Peter and John and they put him in jail until the next day. Because that's what you do when someone heals somebody. You put them in jail. But many who heard the message believed. You know what? Even if they try to put you in jail, even if they try to knock you down, even if they try to silence you, Stephanie, God bless her, even if they try to silence you, guess what? People believe. Because in your heart and in my heart, the truth of the gospel hits us. We know we're hearing truth. We know the difference. So even though they tried to shut it down by putting them in jail, the message was heard. So the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. That's just men. Because we didn't count back then. <laughs> we count now, though. Thank you, Jesus. 5,000 men. <laughs> and I guarantee you, for every man, there are probably about three or four women who believe because the women come in fast and furious. So we probably had 20,000 people who believed. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law. What teachers of the law? What is that? Religious people. The law meaning the book of the law. Heavy-handed religious, you know. That's not God. That's not God's heart. We have to recognize that, that the law quenches the spirit. So these, all these law, all the people, all heavy on the rules, they come in the next day. They had Peter drop before them, and they began questioning them, by what power or what name did you heal him? They're worried about the name. They're worried about the name. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, show to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're calling me in for an act of kindness. So first of all, stick in your eye. Like, are you kidding me? Okay. It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He, listen, Christians are bold. We've lost our boldness. We have become so limp-wristed. They're bold. They tell the truth, and they don't care what you think, and they don't care what you're going to try to do. They tell the truth, and they're bold. Whom you crucified. I'm like, they're in prison. You would think that they'd be a little afraid, like, oh, I don't want you to keep me in prison. No, they're not. Whom God raised from the dead, that is the man who stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. <laughs> left, right, left, right. I <laughs> love it. He's a stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You rejected him. Now he's a stone on which the whole entire church is built. Salvation is found in no one else. Not Buddha, not Allah. Not your husband, your wife, your best friend, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. It's about the name. When they saw the courage and boldness, because what did I say? Jesus gives us courage and boldness to come before the Father. And when you're courageous and bold to come before him, you don't care about a person. He gives you this courage and boldness because of Jesus. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Can that just be us, moms, children, wives, husbands? It doesn't matter. They were astonished. They took note of the men with Jesus. But since they could see the men, the man who had been healed standing there with them, <laughs> there he stands, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw, and they, you know, have a little powwow. What are we going to do with these men? 
Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a miracle, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone what? Read it out loud. In this name. name. So these evil religious people who are trying to quench the power of the gospel, they know the power of the name. They know the power of the name. But so did Peter and John, and they were no match. Okay, then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's, I mean, they're just, they're so hung up on the name of Jesus. They can't, they can't, they're just pounding on this because they understand that without the name of Jesus, these men had no power. It was the name of Jesus that made them power. It wasn't their education. It wasn't their standing in society. It was only the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Any, after further threats, they just try to put him in fear, right? They try to put him in, in bondage of fear. They let them go. Uh, let me tell you, the spirit of religion will always threaten, 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 threaten. Try to put you in fear. Get on top of that. Take authority over that. I can't tell you how many times that's come against me. And now I see it coming and I'm like, all right, bring it. Let's do this because I know the spirit and you will be defeated. Any further threats, they let them go. After they could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what happened, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Okay, that's thousands of years ago. Are the nations still raging and the people still plotting in vain against the purposes of God? The kings of the earth. Are the kings of the earth rising up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Listen, this filthy stuff that they're doing in our politics, gender mutilation, you know, transgender, everything. This is demonic. They're not rising. They're rising up against God. They're rising up against everything holy and right. This is an affront against God, and we are sent here to make a stand. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, against Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your spirit, your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. Their prayer was that they would be bold enough. That was their number one concern. Is it our number one concern? Because I see a lot of Christians not wanting to stick their neck out. They said, help us be bold enough. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs of wonder. How? Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I love this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So the whole house shook, which happened also at Pentecost. The whole house shook under the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. He answered their prayer. Why? Because they came in the name of Jesus. You come in the name of Jesus. They asked for boldness. He gave it. All right, I want to show you guys this video. We both looked at the door, and here comes this dark, ominous figure. He goes, this is a robbery. I want your money. And he taps on my counter with his gun. And when he did that, I was just like, (gasps) Marion Chadwick was raised with loving Christian parents who taught her the power of prayer. There was just never a hesitation that God would heal. He would answer. He would protect. He would uh, be there for any situation that was in our life. It was poured into us um, to trust God, to believe in God. Mom and Dad just always instilled in us to pray, to pray in all things. Prayer was just part of our DNA. Fast forward to January 11th, 2010, a slow day for Marion's boutique shop. Towards the end of the day, she found herself alone with a customer. We did theme bracelets with beads, and she was building a garden bracelet. I said, oh, well, you need to buy a sparrow for your garden bracelet. She said, well, isn't there a a scripture about the sparrow in the Bible? And I said, yes. His eye is on the sparrow. He watches over me. And so we got goosebumps and we cried a little bit, got the tears. 
We heard the bell go off at the front door, and we both looked at the door, and here comes this dark, ominous figure with something in his hand, and he walks up to the counter, and he goes, um, this is a robbery. I want your money. He goes, lady, I'm serious. And he taps on my counter with his gun, and when he did that, I was just like, <gasps> and my finger went in his face, and I start rebuking him in the name of Jesus. He stepped back a second, and he points the gun at my customer, and he said, get on the floor. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus, get out of my store. I knew that Satan was in that man, but I knew that I had power in me that was greater than him. And he backed up and he backed up a few more steps and he got about halfway to the front and he turned around and he took off. The power of God was so heavy in the store, but it was like peaceful. Miriam called the police and the man was later caught. She credits her actions to the power of God and her parents' teaching. I love it. To know your power. <clears throat> she knew her power. I love this scripture. It says, Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong fortress that God will run to it and are saved. What? The name. The name. I just read a story about this pastor. He was a pastor in L.A., he was a good, godly man who served God his whole life. And he was walking one evening, and all, he's in his 60s, and he felt like four guys behind him, and he felt the threat. And so he felt them getting on him, and he started trying to run. He was in his 60s, can't outrun him. They started beating him. And he tried to run up on somebody's step, and they opened the door, they saw that what was going on, they closed the door. So they're beating him up, he grabs a broom, he's trying to fight him off, four guys. One pastor in his 60s trying to fight him off. Nothing's happening. They're winning. Then a guy calls, pulls a weapon. And I want to read this part. Suddenly, it dawned on him that he needed to use the name of Jesus. So he yelled out, In the name of Jesus, of Christ of Nazareth, you touch not God's prophet and do him no harm. Said they immediately began to run off the porch. They ran away. They ran away. Because someone who knows, like this woman, someone who understands the power of Jesus' name against evil. See, we don't war against flesh and blood and truth. We war against the demonic. The Bible says it's principality's power. That's a warring against not, not the person. So it's the evil in them that they're cooperating with. So she called out that evil. He called out that evil. And they fled because they're like, oh my goodness, this person understands the power of the name of Jesus. And those demons had to run. The demons are controlling that person. It turns out he didn't need people. Turns out he didn't need physical strength. Turns out he just needed the name of Jesus. It is, listen, it is the Christian's right to use the name of Jesus. It is the family name. You were born into a family name. I was born Stephanie Brownback. It was my name. I had the rights of it. Jesus is the family name. It's your birthright. It's your inheritance. It's yours. Use it. There is such power. And Jesus has given us power of attorney over his name. Power of attorney. We have authority to use it. He's given us authority. I love these scriptures. He says it twice. Uh, John 15, 16. Whatever. I like the word whatever. You ask in the Father's name, he will give you. John 16, 23. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Both say, in my name, whatever you ask, I like the word whatever, in my name, in my name, he will give you. I mean, it just can't be more straightforward. If he, I mean, Jesus is telling the truth, right? You cannot overuse it. You cannot dilute it. You cannot. It is yours to use for protection, for guidance, for, for healing. We know Mark 16, 17 through 18, in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's more to that. We're going to talk about the rest of that next time. But Jesus' name is above all names. And there's a name for everything. There's a name for every sickness. Cancer. Heart disease. You, you know, there's a name. His name is above it. His name is above that. And we know that his name heals I love this scripture, Acts 3, 6 through 8. So we're back to, this is the, the, the story before. The story I was just telling you, this is the back story. When they, he, Peter and John healed 
this uh, beggar. It says, Peter, he asked them for money. And they looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. The man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you what he has it. He has the power of the name of Jesus. He understands it's something he can give. I can give you this power. In the name, authority, power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. After 40 years, this, you, you see, Jesus grabbed him by the hand. His, his legs and ankles have been all twisted and turned. And, this, and he pulls him up, and his legs go straight. 40 years, all he could do was beg. Do you feel like a beggar? In the name of Jesus. Has it been like that for 40 years? In the name of Jesus. Greatest, most powerful thing on earth. So, when I plead the name of Jesus, we're going to conclude. When you plead the name of Jesus, when you go to the Father in the name of Jesus, honor the power of that name. God honors it. He wants you to honor it. And how do we honor it? By expecting power to come to us in our situation, in our nation, in our family, in our children. Whatever the situation is, expect the, the, the rarity of God's blood that brought the dead to life, that's the earth, that shaped the earth, that heals the sick, that would have expected. It's so disrespectful not to expect the power because we dishonor the power that is available to us. Expect it. I'm going to show you one more video because it's just so cool. I'm going to show you a bunch of videos. Right Hi, my name is Alita and I would like to share a testimony of God's faithfulness. So I had been shopping in New York City with my fiance for a setting for my loose diamond. And so I had my loose diamond with me as well as the cash to pay for it to be set. Unfortunately, that day while we were out, we did not find the setting that I was hoping to find that day. So I did have the loose diamond and the cash to pay for it on me at the time. I was going to a friend's house who I had never um, been to this home before. It was a brownstone in New York. And when I was approaching and looking for the address up on top of the brownstones, a kid walked by and made eye contact with me, but made me a little bit nervous, but okay. So I found the address, went up the, the steps and into the lobby, rang the bell to be let in to the secured building. And I waited and waited and didn't answer. So I rang the bell again um, and he knew I was coming. So I waited again and the kid that I passed on the street came up the steps and into the lobby with me and he pulled out a large knife, a large knife and held it to my neck and said, give me your money. And at the time, having lived in New York for quite a while, I wore my my purse across my body and the flap was towards me so that no one could pickpocket and i told him i i don't have money i've been shopping and he says you always have money give me your money i know you have money and i said well i really don't think i do and in the meantime i'm stalling for my friend to arrive and rescue me from this situation i said well hold this and I had my bride's magazine and I started taking off my gloves stalling for time and I hold this and I opened my purse and I reached in and I pulled out some money that I had just broken a hundred for a cup of coffee so I had some small change and I said that's all I've got and I looked at it and it was two dollars and he said I know you've got more than that and I said I really don't think I do and I reached in my bag and as I did, the Holy Spirit brought back to my memory 
the time when I was a small child. And this lady in church gave a testimony of when she was being robbed. And it just came flooding back to me what she had to say. She said that she looked at the person that was robbing her and said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And her robber, you know, took a step back. And then she remembered that she needed to, to call for what it really was. She said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I come against you with the blood of Jesus. And the robber ran away. And I was just a small child, but I remember that so powerfully. And in that moment, I remember that. And I said to this kid, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And as well, this kid stumbled back and said, just give me your money. And he put the knife up against my neck again. And I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I come against you with the blood of Jesus. And he threw my stuff back at me and ran out of that lobby as fast as he could go. And during that whole time, I had peace. I was There was no fear at all. But as soon as he left, I started trembling, saying, what just happened? What just happened? And I became, you know, jittery and nervous. But in the moment, God gave me peace and the Holy Spirit was there to lead me and guide me through. Amazing. That name, <clears throat> darkness knows the power of that name. Use it. Believe it. <laughs> You have the power of Jesus' name. Because of that, you're an overcomer. Because of that, you can heal the sick. Because of that, you have a power and authority over anything that's coming against you. And you don't know it. We don't know what situations we're going to find ourselves in life. The world is getting more dangerous. Are we going to hold ourselves up and hunker, you know, live behind? Are we going to walk and power of Jesus. You know, I look at these young kids sitting here in the front, and I just, <clears throat> both of them, it was things they learned when they were young. And in the moment when they needed it, you don't know what you're going to face. We don't know what we're going to face. In the moment when they needed it, they said, in Jesus' name, Satan, I put the blood of Jesus against you. That's all you have to know. You have authority over that situation. You plead the blood of Jesus. Listen, we can't put ourselves in bad situations. The Lord tells us about that. But we're talking about these people who are just doing their life. And God was so faithful. Jesus is faithful. We live for Jesus. And God honors that in us. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you're doing it, whatever it is, Whatever you're doing, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if you can't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, you shouldn't be doing it. <clears throat> Love this verse. Oh, come magnify the Lord with me. Psalm 34, 3. Let us exalt his name together. The power of the name of Jesus. And listen, we're going to talk in two weeks because some of you might be like, okay, I now believe in the power of the name. But I'm not experiencing that power. I don't know how to apply that power. And I want to talk to you the next time about, you know, maybe you didn't even really put that much faith in the power of the name of Jesus. Maybe this was a refresher. But, but believe me, there is everything you need for life, the Bible says, is in this name. And so we're going to talk about how to apply that to every circumstance. We're going to talk more about healing, more about these other things. But we are going to exalt his name. We're going to understand the power of exalting it. So Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. I thank you for the name of Jesus. I thank you, God. We come in the name of Jesus. Lord, every person came in here with something different, God. Something different. Lord, bring to their mind right now what they need to pray in the name of Jesus over. Maybe it's a list of things. 
in the name of Jesus, my husband. In the name of Jesus, my child. In the name of Jesus, the direction this country is going. In the name of Jesus, revival. In the name of Jesus, my healing or my loved one's healing. In the name of Jesus, show them, God, what they need to declare the name of Jesus over God. And Father God, we know that all of heaven's armies goes to action and work the minute we say that name, God. We praise you for that, God. And we know, God, we are going to see the power of Almighty God as we believe in the name, the sacrifice, and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.